This week's episode of Thriving in the Transitions of the Podcast is dedicated to a very special woman in my life. Uh, it's dedicated to my aunt, Sandra C. Scott, who passed away just this morning. I love you, Auntie. Howdy, 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 and welcome to Thriving in the Transition, the podcast, episode 19. I'm humbled and blessed to be able to bring this podcast to you and to be part of your lives. Yeah, I know I say it every week. That's only because I mean it every week. Your feedback, your encouragement, and your connection make it all worthwhile. Doing this Connecting with you is truly, truly amazing and inspirational for me, and I hope it's the same for you. So, yay me, yay you, and yay us. As we continue to grow and broaden our audience, give us that five-star rating. Follow us, subscribe, add positive comments, like us, or give us a thumbs up. What I'm ultimately trying to say, what I try to say every week is that you should connect and engage with us. Right now, we're up and available on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. Simply search for us wherever you listen to great podcasts because we strive to be among that list of great podcasts that you listen to, rely upon, and ultimately find useful. Why am I doing this? Well, consider me a podcasting vigilante, if you will. I'm here to right some wrongs, to stand up for the little guy, get the girl, and stick it to the man. Well, the truth is simply this. I want to practice what I preach. I absolutely believe that part of my purpose in this life is to connect with others, to bring people together. I want to highlight and exemplify the fact that we've got more in common than we do in difference. Yes, absolutely, those differences are much easier to identify. But discovering and appreciating the commonalities, that's much more fun. So yeah, that's partly why I'm doing this. The other part, or the rest of the story, as to why I'm doing this is that I want to shine a light on those slightly enigmatic, charismatic, and inspirational people among us. I want to share their stories about thriving in and during transitions. The theory being that hearing about other people succeed will give anyone that may be struggling the motivation or encouragement to continue and thrive in their own respective transitions. 
Now, if you remember, and I'm sure you do, you guys are brilliant. This is part two of our conversation on humility. And I should say part two and the conclusion. We're going to wrap things up with our humility all-stars, Sarah Zadigan and Steve Ryman. Now, a quick refresher, right? You've had busy weeks. You had a lot going on. Last week, we spent a lot of time actually defining humility. We spent about 20 minutes or so coming up with something that worked for all of us. And after the episode, you guys reached out to us on Facebook. And I have to share this one relatively brilliant definition. In fact, it was a one-word definition of humility, which was simply selflessness. Now, I'm not sure I still buy that one, and it doesn't resonate with me, at least not yet, but it may resonate for some of you. So maybe selflessness is that definition of humility that really works for you. Anyway, we're going to pick things up this week as I pose a totally new question to Sarah and Steve. And the rest of the episode, we ultimately cover where does or can humility go wrong? We're going to share some practical strategies on how you can practice being more humble. And we're going to wrap things into or tie into this whole concept of love songs or songs of faith and what that has to do with humility, if anything. You're even going to hear some on-the-air, real-time, in-the-moment coaching with our all-stars because, well, we're cool like that and we're people too so listen for that part it's really cool we're gonna jump into the conclusion of this amazingly incredible topic where does humility come in right after this break intro and outro music by genesis 7 you can listen to more of his music on spotify apple music title or wherever you stream your music just search for genesis 7 that is g-e-n-e-s-i-s and then the number seven directly behind it if you're interested in purchasing music from him shoot him a note on the contact form on his website at genesis7productions.com But I've, I've got another question if we're ready for it. Bring it on. Let's go. So, all right. So, Sarah, you just, just mentioned something uh, that triggered this question. Where can humility go wrong? And I asked that question because being self-aware and knowing self and knowing strengths and skills and values, if you have a slightly different definition or – you, you factor into your definition, oh, let me now lower myself. Let me bring down my accomplishments. Let me make other people more comfortable. Let me not let my light shine. Potentially can still be defined within some scope of humility, but where can humility go wrong in a transition? Or can well, I think if, I think if that's your definition, just the way that you presented that story, let me not let my light shine, let me hold back. I think in that sense, the detriment is that not only you as an individual don't grow and thrive, but you prevent your community from being able to thrive. 
Nice. When you're holding back mm. your gifts, you're not supporting your community. You're not being wow. as actively engaged of a member as you can to drive your collective community forward. And I think that's a disservice. Wow. <laughs> I think that's a great answer. It's seriously right. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so you answered that one, Sarah. Way to go, single-handedly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like that was a very drop-the-mic moment. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> See, but there it is, right humility. there, right? Humility. Exactly. Yep, that's humility. <laughs> so, okay, but but so here's the thing: it was a very drop the mic moment, sir. Why would you apologize for that? Uh, humility. See, okay, but this is this is a case in point, though. Like when you recognize. Yes. Okay, yes, I think that point was very meaningful, but I guess I can also recognize, like, okay, that really shut down the conversation. That, that stalled things a little bit. Um, but well, no, but, but I do think you're way. right. I don't. I yeah, I do think you're right, and I don't. I don't necessarily think that um, it is something that should be apologized for. I would tell you that I, as an individual, like that's very in line with how I am in my life, and that's probably something that I need to work on. To be quite honest, that's one of the reasons that I did end up saying, okay, I guess this humility thing is, is going to happen. We're going to have this, this podcast. <laughs> uh, be, honestly, because I, I felt like, well, this is something that is a vulnerable topic for me, and this is something that I don't know that I do well at, and I need to be better at, at being vulnerable and putting myself out there, and this is a good opportunity for that. And I think that's a perfect example of like an identification of, me kind of sucking at being vulnerable. You know, I'm apologizing for my my statement because I feel like it slowed down the conversation, but it wasn't a bad slowing down of the conversation. It's just a knee jerk. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know? So right. this is a good point for me to grow and I appreciate you for calling me out on that because that helps me move forward with my path. Awesomeness. Steve, uh, you, I mean, where are you right now? Well, so uh, I'm in Jefferson City, Missouri. Thanks for asking, Well, I knew um, you were going to so, – I knew that was going to be your answer. I so knew dad it. joke. Sorry. I'm a dad. Dad <laughs> joke. Okay, so here's the thing I would say with uh, humility. So I took a little bit of a different approach, although I absolutely love what you said, Sarah. So my approach to this would be whenever – it can be a bad thing whenever it's – insincere whenever it lacks oh. authenticity, which, okay, my man. We could, we, well, then we could argue, well, is it really humility then? Yeah, okay, let's just keep the conversation going here. And so, you know, I think that, well, at least I hope, and maybe that's a, a better way of phrasing it, I hope that we as a people are more tuned in to authenticity these days than ever before. Uh, and certainly that's something that I've seen in my own life, I've seen in others, and if you come across as being insincere, if you come across as not being authentic in, with your hum, humility, it can be even more detrimental than maybe, and this is a, boy, this is a tough thing for me to say, because it may be even more difficult or maybe more detrimental 
than even somebody who's completely self-absorbed or completely has narcissistic, narcissistic tendencies, which I got to say, I, that is kind of a personal pet peeve of mine, those people that are always focused on themselves. And I know anyone who has narcissistic tendencies right now are thinking that what I'm talking about is talking about them. But see what I did there? Narcissistic You tendencies. probably think the like song is about, about them. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Right. Nice, right. gentlemen. So, Thank you. So that would be the thing I would say there. And, you know, it's interesting because something else I found uh, in part of my research for this was looking at, you know, the, how do you measure the effects of humility and, you know, their positive effects. And so one of the things mm-hmm. I found, I'm just going to throw it out there because I think it's applicable to what we're talking about here, was actually out of the Association of Psychological Science about 2013 that said humility is most accurately judged when it is under strain. Just like courage is easier to judge in the context of danger, humility ought to be easier to judge in contexts that evoke egotism, defensiveness, and conflict. So, you know, it's one of those things you can't really judge the muster of something until you're actually in the fight, so to speak, right? And I think it's the how you utilize humility that really comes across to so many others. Does that make sense? It, it makes total sense to me, and I, I love everything you said, as you could tell by me clapping and, and laughing and, and saying my dude and, and all that stuff. Something that I've, I've long believed, false humility is just as inauthentic as conceit or arrogance. We, will, we, we can recognize conceit or arrogance, right? We, we feel it. it it's, it's visceral. However, false humility, it's a little more subtle. And Steve, you, you said the, the whole bit about authenticity, and you, you hope we can tell it more. And I think as a, as a people, as a society, we are more in tune with sincerity and authenticity. But because those negative connotations of conceit and arrogance have gotten such a bad rap, I think people want to be humble, right? I want to be the most popular and successful person in the world, but I want to be humble too. And, and I'm not saying they can't coexist, but at some point to be the most popular and powerful person in the world, you have to toot your own horn. Or Does, does that make sense or am I just rambling at this point? No, well, I think it, it does. makes sense. Yeah, go ahead, Sarah. I think it makes sense, and I, I think that that conflict or that juxtaposition is so present in society. I agree with yeah, with Steve's wish, and I agree with your um, explanation that you know people are being much more authentic in their regular lives. But the flip side of that coin is, look, we have social media. We have so many people presenting the best versions of themselves. But which, let's be realistic, we don't always live that best version of ourselves. Like, yes, like I can have. That version doesn't even exist. Yeah, like I mean. I have the most beautiful picture on Instagram with like 57 filters on it. It took me 10 times to take the picture. Like that's just, that's not reality and that's not living an authentic self, you know. Um, Now, are there times that there is a beautiful meal that's on your Instagram and you legitimately saw and ate that meal? Absolutely. You know, I, I think it is a tough juxtaposition of reality based and not reality based sometimes and I think it's especially hard with an enigmatic principle like humility. I mean it took us 30 minutes to maybe define it. Maybe define it. 
Maybe. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? So I, I made a joke, I don't know if it was episode one or two, with the definition of pornography. I may not be able to define it, but I know it when I see it. It's the same with humility, right? I may not be able to define it, but you know it when you see it and when it's authentic. And that person, like, radiates this light or this energy that you know. And maybe I got way too metaphysical too quickly, but that's where I am. Well, as you're saying that, my question is, does that vision of what humility looks like, does it change based on the arena? Like, is it different in your professional setting versus what it would be if you looked at an individual with humility in your personal life? Now, that's a question. Mm. I, 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 okay, so for me, I hope not. I'm a firm believer that, you know, you should be you at home or at work or, you know, on the train or in the car, and people will pick up on that. And that definition of humility or those characteristics and that knowing it when you see it, I don't think that changes. Now, I think what does change is the recognition or the reward for demonstrating humility. Oh, that's a fair based, point. Based yeah. on work or personal. So something I'll, I'll jump in here because, uh, man, this is such a great question, Sarah. Uh, <laughs> have, you ever thought about, have you ever thought about hosting your own podcast and just throwing it out there? Um, <laughs> there you go, Sarah. You, you were waiting you for go. that next transition. Oh, there yeah. you go. It's being thrown at you. <laughs> so uh, what makes me think about this, because, man, the, the, to me, the arenas, while, Will, yes, I agree, I think they would hopefully be the same. I just think there's different demands. It's different environments, right? And it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about how, I guess, the, the, you're dealing in the professional setting, you're dealing with, uh, certain agendas that I don't think you necessarily deal with in a in a personal arena, if that makes sense. And that's where, to me, it can be so tricky uh, because, let's face it, in some business circles, and I'm, I lean towards business because that's what I'm in, and for those who don't know, I'm in pharmaceutical sales, right? And so I've uh, actually now for almost 25 years been in the business arena. So when I think of a, a professional environment, I tend to lean towards business. And whereas I realize there are a lot of other professions and maybe a lot of different other types of um, settings or characteristics that go on. But, you know, in the business world, sometimes humility can be perceived as a weakness, right? And that's a whole other thing we can explore. But one of the things I was going to throw out there is about, oh, 15 or so years ago, at uh, a meeting I was at, they brought in Lou Holtz. And I don't know if either of you might be familiar with who Lou Holtz is. Are you by chance? I am. Yes. Okay. Sarah? Okay, yeah. So for those who might not be, he was a college football coach and is a motivational speaker. And he spoke at one of the company meetings. And i got to tell you, out of the many, many speeches, podcasts, I mean, everything that I've done over the, the last two decades of listening to motivational talks, i got to say his comments so resonated with me. And I think it's applicable to what we're talking about here. And according to, to Mr. Holtz, he says that he can get by with only three rules because the people you meet have three basic questions. And the first question is, can I trust you? The second question, are you committed to excellence? And the third question, do you care about me? 
And I was mesmerized by those words almost 20 years ago, and I still am today. And I think if you think about those questions, those apply both in your personal life and also in your professional life, and really kind of gives you a footing then for where you want to be in dealing with other people. You know where they're coming from. You know what they're on the lookout for, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it and I love that because it goes back to our working definition, right? Uh, knowing yourself, knowing your surroundings, and understanding your impact on others and your intentions and recognizing the process. <laughs> right, exactly. It's amazing to me how spot on those three three things are that he could just say it all comes down to these three things in the most abstract it can be so simplified in that way right well exactly go ahead Will. go ahead well I was going to say and but that's the the beautiful thing it, even and yes this is a slight tangent and, and I, I don't apologize for it. it's a slight tangent but I, I, I want to make it accessible to everyone when you talk about like the best thing you ever ate or the best cocktail you ever drank it's usually those things with three to four ingredients it's not the 57 ingredients that took 97 hours that you really remember so it's no surprise to me that those three basic questions can literally define a relationship so if that's true, Will, why is it that I love Heinz 57 sauce? There's 57 ingredients in that, right? Isn't that the whole point? No, there's 57 just kidding, varieties. Just kidding. Boom. Oh, okay. Steve, Steve okay. Ryman made a mistake on air. Ha, ha. <laughs> I will accept that out of humility. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> well played. Well, thank you. So you know what? So actually, I hadn't really thought about this until now, but you kind of teed it up for me, Will. So let me throw it out there. So have either of you ever been a part of something particular, a particular instance, where you've encountered a memorial life lesson, or a memorable, I should say, not memorial, geez, <laughs> that's not right, a, a memorable <laughs> life lesson around humility. So maybe a mistake that you made yourself that had – really impacted you and showed you humility. Anything come to mind? I don't make mistakes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I, obviously I've experienced things like that in life. I hope that I have as a human. I, I don't know what I would identify in my personal life at the moment, nothing's popping to my mind. I'm sure there's been a million of these. But one thing I would say, like, in terms of moments that, like, really bring home humility to me, you know, I work in the medical field, and I'm a nurse, and I work in the ICU. And so I am in very, very critical situations oftentimes in my job. And because of the nature of our job, you know, we cycle through which doctors we work with or respiratory therapists or other providers, our team basically is constantly changing. It's the same people, but you don't necessarily come across every situation with the same people. And I will say that on many, many, many occasions, I've seen phenomenal, phenomenal doctors walk into crazy situations and stay calm and control things and clearly uh, 
show everyone that they know their stuff, that they can execute things, that they are above and beyond amazing. And I've seen them do it in a calm manner with tolerance and respect and appreciation for other people and being able to gently educate people on processes or why we do things throughout the situation and never come across as arrogant, never come across as threatened, never come across like they are dealing with their own psychological threats or issues and do nothing but promote an environment of safety, not just for the patient, but individual safety where we can all grow and learn from a circumstance. And every single one of those moments sticks with me professionally and personally and guides me on how, how to behave. And I'm grateful for those moments. Good for you. Well, and certainly what you've been doing uh, in the recent months, as well as Will's shared with me some of your background too. I mean, you're there on the front lines. And so first off, tip of my cap, you can't see it, but a tip of my cap to you for, for what you've done. But just in how you've experienced that and being able to relate that and share that with us too, I mean, that's impactful. So, so thank you for that. Will. Well, thank you. Anything comes to mind? No, you're welcome. Will, anything come to mind? So a, a, a couple. Um, one, and listeners, you, you've heard a bit about my background and how I grew up. And Steve, you know my grandmother. Uh, Sarah, you haven't met her yet. Uh, but growing up with my grandparents, uh, talk about old school, but also talk about humble, not only in, in means, but in, in speaking and education and, and just about any way you can use the word humble, uh, that was my family. But my grandmother in particular, I remember having not much of anything, having this conversation where she pretty much said, hey, do you notice how we've got pe- basically all kinds of people that will come to the house uh, from people with even less than we had and we'd feed them to ministers at local churches to firemen and police officers and they're all treated the same they all get the same respect they all have the same opportunity to be people in this house and I'm like yeah and at that point I hadn't thought about it but to me that was the ultimate show of humility uh, because people love my grandmother she made me who I am today and in huge part due to that philosophy and that belief, which comes down to being humble. Um, She would never advertise anything, right? Oh, look who was at the house, or look what we did, or look what whatever. But it was there, and it was just part of who she was. So that was the, the just big glaring moment that it's like, oh, take people for who they are, period regardless of what they've got and who they are or what they can do for you. People are people, which is, is where that whole uh, quote that I've got, we've got more in common than we do in difference, came from. So that would be mine. See, now I thought you were going to bust out into Depeche Mode there for me for a second. People are people, so why should it what be? What should it be? You and I. You and I. Yeah. You know, okay, I did no. along for all of the leaves. Dome, dome, dome. Okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Oh. Shout out to uh, shout out to Justin Thorncall. Okay, so right, with 
<laughs> with that being said, um, you know, I think about it myself, and I love how you two went very positive, and I'll say certainly I'll give you both sides of the coin. Um, I have found myself blessed over the years to be surrounded by people who have been examples for me, right? Uh, sometimes I say even in spite of myself. And certainly, Will, you know my background and growing up and my parents and just the life that that you know I was raised in certainly was one of um, to be respectful of others and to be mindful of others. And certainly I would also throw out there that that has been continued on with, as you know, my wife Jules, and who I would say is that poster child of humility to me. I mean, you, it's amazing watching her, for example, in a grocery store line that she can start up a conversation with anybody and find out sometimes their deepest, darkest secrets, all because she's so personable and she's so approachable and always concerned about others. It's funny because sometimes our kids will kind of roll their eyes and go, oh, mom's talking again. I'm like, whoa, no, you need to listen. You need to absorb. You need to soak in what your mother is doing here because it is so phenomenal. So again, just trying to continue with that in my own life. I will say the flip side of that coin and kind of what I was thinking about with this, um, with this question is more of the dark side of humility, right? Because I firmly believe that humility finds a way of finding you if you aren't practicing humility. Know what I mean? And so I yes. say that, and I think of an example. Well, and this example came to mind, and it's not something that I'm proud of by any means, and certainly I felt important to share just to kind of to let people know, let the listeners know that we're not sitting here preaching because we got this thing all figured out. No, there's plenty of times that you're going to be able to fall on your face, and humility is going to be there to say, you kind of brought this on yourself. And so one of the, the stories that I'll share real quick, and this happened really early in my career. I was um, in the sales profession and had a, uh, a, a leader, somebody in authority, I'll just say, that really, you know, fed my ego. And he just drilled home things to me about, oh, you're doing this great, you're doing that great. And by the time you add that ENTJ model to it as well, as far as my personality, I really thought that I basically walked on water and could do no wrong. Or as they say, I got a little too big for my britches. And uh, there happened to be a day where I had a coworker who, and this was so out of norm for him, so as I go back and I think about this, for him to basically dress me down and give me the wake-up call that I needed to hear is remarkable because it's so not the norm for him to, to take that upon himself. But that's exactly what he did um, and basically told me, hey, here's what you're doing. Enough's enough. Knock it off. And I, I can't help but be reminded of the words of James Tolkien, who's an actor, a.k.a. Stinger in Top Gun, who told Tom Cruise's Maverick character, son, your ego is writing checks, your body can't cash. And so with that, I'll say this, it was my community, right, because he was part of my community, and I keep going back to this element of community, that really was able to help me redirect my purpose, was able to help give me that, that awareness that I am focusing way too much on myself here and that I need to, to be more outward focused about this. And what was really interesting how life, you know, presents you with these kind of situations is years later I had an opportunity for a promotion within the company we both worked at that was going to bring me back from 
I hadn't worked with him in this particular individual in years, brought me back to working with him. And before I took the promotion, I called him up and I said, listen, I said, what you said to me you know, way back when resonated with me. It had an impact on me. You were absolutely right. And I want to know, you know, if I take this promotion, that means we're going to be working together a, a lot. I said, but if you don't want to work with me, if, you know, whatever, the, whatever your feelings are right now, if you have any reservations, then tell me, and I won't take the promotion. Now, thank God he said yes, because <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, okay, well, I threw it out there. I've got to be prepared for the answer, right? But, again, it just goes back to humility will find you. And something I found, um, as, and also part of the research, was another great quote. and It said, being humbled by life experience might, in fact, be a requirement for maturity. And so I've seen this over the years in coworkers, um, and certainly they've been there for me in this time. And I also think that if you ignore humility, life will find a way to remind you. And one thing I realize, life offers everyone humility, but not everyone recognizes it, and even fewer will embrace it. I don't know, thoughts around that? Brilliant on, on several levels. And, and I've got to say, Steve, call out just, just like I did with Sarah. Of course he was going to say yes, that coworker, because the amount of humility it took for you to even have that conversation, hey, Absolutely. The, the amount of self-awareness, but also the amount of confidence to say, hey, if you don't want me to take this, I won't. You've given me this feedback. Here are the thoughts. I'm a Dude, that was brilliant. And I don't know if there's a better example of humility than that. Um, and you took it as a, a learning example. So, um, yeah, he, he had no choice but to say yes, in, in my opinion. I also think uh, it gets back to that, what uh, Steve was saying about Coach Lou Holtz and saying, you know, yes. the top three things, can I trust you? You demonstrated in that phone call that you can be trusted, not just that you've matured and you've grown and that you took his feedback, but also that you can be trusted and that you are going to look out for him. You did two of those three things right off the bat that Coach Lou recognized. You indicated that you're trustworthy and you indicated that you cared about him. And as a teammate, of course you're going to want those things. Absolutely. Well, and thank you. Well, and thank you for saying so. And I will say, just kind of uh, as Will likes to say, the rest of the story. We've worked together now in um, over ten years, and what's interesting is we still text one another. We still get together for lunch occasionally. So you know, it's it's just it's kind of a, a case study, if you will, uh, of what humility can do or how humility can find you. And like I said, I basically had two, I, two options, I think, as far as how I was going to react to that. Either I could sit there and say, guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm great. I'm stellar. Or else the other option would have been to say, well, then the pathway I took was just to say, wow, that is not who my parents raised me to be, and that is not who I am at my core, and I need to do some things differently. And I will say, that is something then I think was very foundational in how I approach people even today. And hopefully that's picked up by others. So there you go. Nice. All right, gang, believe it or not, I, I think we're almost done. I think we've done a brilliant job talking about humility. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm laughing because it doesn't sound humble on the front end, 
But we, the, the team, this group effort, knowing that we didn't know the answers, knowing that we didn't have the right answer, I think we, we've shared authentically. I think we've supported each other. I, I, we've definitely laughed. And that's where I'm coming from. And that's, to me, the power of humility that every single guest of Thriving in the Transition has brought. And because it is such a broad definition, no, it, it's not easy. But we've very much stuck and upheld that working definition that we set early on. And my, my last, my last one, not if you guys have others, let's for sure talk about it. My last thing, and I'm not going to ask you guys for a love song because you, you've already done that. However, uh, I still think this has to do with humility. Kelly had the question, and again, Kelly, my wife, she found this whole love song thing very interesting. And she's like, does it work with any song? And I'm like, pretty much, yes. And we, we tried a couple, and I want to test the theory with you guys. It will work with any song as long as the original song wasn't about you to begin with, as long as that song was about someone else, sincerely and authentically, it will work. What do you guys think? I absolutely agree. You and I have been talking about this question that uh, the love song uh, multiple times throughout the, the last several months. And um, I know I get excited when I hear the most random song and I think, oh, it does apply, and then I send it to you. I'm, you're probably exhausted with your phone blowing up from weird random songs that I think are great love songs to myself now. But um, it even works with the, the non um, like non-traditional love songs. For instance, if you guys remember, you might, some of your listeners may not, if you guys remember the Golden Girls, their theme Thank song even friend. works with that. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. And if you threw a party, inviting everyone you knew, you would see the biggest gift would be for me. And the card attached would say, thank you for being a friend. Thank you for being a friend. It still works. <laughs> and I know. Can I just I've say, like, though? Like, like twice. I've blown you guys away twice today, one with something completely profound and the other with something completely ridiculous. <laughs> Which makes it that much more amazing. <laughs> and the, I will say that my only disappointment, Sarah, is that we didn't sing it. That is my only disappointment with what you just said right there. Yeah, I'm well, gonna sing it. What we did. there's always dreams for next time. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I will answer your question this way and just say um, I don't know if I can say in an absolute form that the answer is yes, but I will say this is that you – I hadn't really thought about this till you started doing it with the podcast earlier, and it's given me pause. It's given me a, a, a pause in when I hear a song to think, oh, wait a minute, I never really thought about this being you know, a love song to myself. Um, so, you know, that's what I, that's the only thing I can say is you definitely are changing that paradigm for me of what a love song is or what the purpose of a love song is. Um, and so, yeah, so that is something that's, I would say, a work in progress, if that makes sense. Makes sense, and, and I'll take it. And the reason I, I threw it back up during this conversation, right, as we 
talk about humility and talked about humility. Sarah, your words, the language of transitions, it, it's huge. But as long as the song is about someone else, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less, it will work. And I, I just had to share that with folks because it was a big, amazing aha for me. Guys, Well, it's oh been my a gosh. fun exercise. It's been an amazing Absolutely. exercise. And I, I, again, have to thank both of you, Steve Ryman, Sarah Zadigan, for sharing the past however long it's been. I don't even care how long it's been. Thank you both for not only volunteering your time, your expertise, your, your points of view, your brilliance to this conversation, but your support of me and the Thriving in the Transition podcast. It does mean the world, guys. And onward and upward, we're, we're going to do this again. So listeners, throw your most difficult topic. Speaking from a truly humble place, this group will tackle it and do it well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Uh, Sarah, Steve, any parting words? Sarah, lady well, first. Well, I'll go first. I'll, I, well, thank you. I will go first, not because I'm a lady, but just because I know Steve is so eloquent and he will um, upend my, my comments. But I would just like to thank both of you for allowing me this space and to be, have a vulnerable conversation and, and tackle a hard subject, I think, in order to grow, it's nice to be able to be in an environment where you know there's not going to be judgment and you can just talk and think about things. And I think you guys are both just excellent, excellent, excellent at that. Um, I've known Will for, for years, and I have never physically met Steve, but as soon as he found out we were going to be doing this podcast together, he was so sweet and reached out and sent me a lovely email and welcomed me and said, you know, I'm sure we're going to be great friends because we have Will in common, and I felt that today, and I'm, I'm just, I'm very grateful that you guys brought me into the fold and that we could have this uh, lovely conversation this afternoon. Aw. Well, and you know what, I will say that uh, today has been everything I would hope it would be and more, and so, you know, Will, I love this opportunity to to join your community and to be a part of your community. And I, I know I sound like a broken record that I absolutely love being a part of community and I love contributing to community and I just love what community can do. And so the fact that I feel like my own personal community has been expanded now by adding Sarah to it is just a tremendous, tremendous feeling. So I thank you both for everything, uh, for old friendships, for new friendships, and for, for being a part. And uh, it's funny, Sarah, we, we just met today, but yet you know me so well in your comments. I will say I do have a couple of summary points <laughs> that I was going to throw out there. <laughs> so if nothing else, I am predictable. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, no, I was just going to say from the discussion today, hopefully uh, people have been able to, to really – I know we've given you a lot to chew on, but hopefully right. – um, are, are making be able to hey this is a format that you can go back and listen to again for example i will say that i went back to episode 16 featuring sarah and listened to it multiple times and you can certainly do that so don't be afraid to keep coming back to this smorgasbord that's been laid out for you today and the other thing is i was just going to throw out there is some ideas to do as far as 
what can help you in, in trying to achieve humility in your own life? You know what? Number one, I would say explore and document your top ten values. Identify and know who you are and what you stand for. And maybe from there, maybe you build a personal mission statement if you don't already have one, but make sure you incorporate what you want, what is at your core there and how you interact with others as well. I'd also say identify what feeds your ego versus what builds your humility because those things don't coincide well together, of course. And more importantly, I would say engage those around you. Um, you know, Sarah mentioned in episode 16 about having her squad, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. And that's something we really didn't get into today, but again, go back to episode 16, take a listen to this. It is so important to have a squad. It's so important to be a part of someone else's squad. And be a coach. Be aware of those opportunities in others where life's inserted humility. You know, they may need a helping hand to help pick them up and, and see where they need to go. And we all need more grace and humility. And then finally, I will say I found some really inspirational words by Winston Churchill who said, in the course of my life, I have often had to eat my words. And I must confess, that I have always found it a wholesome diet. So there you go. Well, I turn it back over to you and say thank you again to you both for this opportunity this afternoon. Absolutely awesome, Steve. Wouldn't have expected anything unless, see, Sarah, I told you he was going to have notes. I knew he was going to have notes, but uh, <laughs> there it is. The real, question is, the real question is, are you wearing a bow tie right now? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, well, since we're not on, are you wearing a bow tie? Well, since we're not on Zoom, I'll say, of course I'm wearing a bow tie. <laughs> <laughs> I am not wearing a bow tie right now. But, yes, that is, that is certainly my, uh, my signature. Nice. Guys, it's been a blast. We will do it again. Woo! Whoop, there it is, as Steve Ryman would say. And they said it could not be done. Well, you know, those that say it can't be done simply should get out of the way of the people that are doing it. Sarah and Steve, I absolutely love you guys, and I can't thank you enough for engaging in ultimately what's an honest conversation about humility and its impacts on transition. Here's a quick recap of what we talked about today. First big thing, you absolutely have to be aware of yourself your community or your squad, and your environment. That is everything ultimately, right? You have to be aware of those things to navigate, to understand, to react, to give people something to react to. You also have to distinguish between personal or professional arenas or goals or challenges because humility can play out and be rewarded received, or perceived very differently based on that professional or personal arena, right? And then lastly, Steve gave us these three amazing questions from Coach Lou Holtz. One, can I trust you? Two, are you committed to excellence? And three, do you care about me? Now, depending on the answers to those three questions, we surmise, we postulate, we theorize 
that you can determine where you are on your humility journey. Not only as a recipient, but also as a giver, right? Where are you on that humility spectrum, if you will, if there is such a thing, right? If the answer to can I trust you is yes, you're probably on the right track. If the answer to are you committed to excellence, if that answer is yes, then you've got some really good goals and you're, you're on your way. And then do you care about me or am I a stepping stone or am I being used, right? Going back to intentions, which we made part of our definition of humility, if that answer is yes, you're going to have a really successful transition, right? You kind of check all three of those boxes. We didn't talk about it in the episode necessarily, but those three questions become a really great barometer for how you're doing and where you're going in terms of your transition and the level of humility. Personally, for me, my big takeaway from the conversation is ultimately this. Humility is not about you. So maybe that one word definition of selflessness is accurate after all. Humility is ultimately not about you. It's about your focus on others or not. And that, again, includes your intentions, the words you use, your actions, and all of those things ultimately add up to your results or lack thereof. Humility is not knowing. In fact, humility is giving up knowing because you have to be open to possibility, right? And all of that lies outside of your comfort zone. All of that lies out of what you know because what you knew has been taken away. It's been turned upside down. You're in transition, right? So you have to give up knowing and seek out something else. You have to do something different. You have to sit with things. Maybe you simply have to be. Maybe you have to get support. And dare I say, maybe even you have to ask for help. That's why you have to give up knowing. It's I know it sounds silly, right? The first time I heard it, it sounded completely silly. It was in my coach training program, and I was getting some feedback on how I was doing as a coach and how my coaching skills were coming along. The leader of that program, shout out to Jody Jan Larson, she told me, Will, you'll be an amazing coach once you give up knowing. And I thought to myself, with every ounce of respect, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. What do you mean if I give up knowing? How does, long story short, I finally, after years, reconciled that. And it's absolutely true. If you give up knowing, you are in a much better place to receive whatever the universe has to present. You are in a better place to be humble and put others before you. If only for a short time. But my own personal takeaway. So speaking of help, which I did right before I went on my little sidetrack talking about the feedback that I got from Jody. Steve dropped some very practical tips on how to practice humility more, right? If this is something that you want to do, how do you be practical about it? Having this great conversation is one thing, but practically speaking, where do you go from here? How do you become more aware? Well, these are the nuggets that Steve dropped. 
Explore and document your top values. What matters to you? That'll give you an idea. Then build a personal mission statement. What are you all about? I start, literally, I start every episode with my personal mission statement, or at least part of it. That's to connect with you and to connect you with others, right? Also, my drive to show and demonstrate that we've got more in common than we do in difference. That's the power of building that personal mission statement. And I'll take Steve's suggestion a step further. Don't just build it, share it. Share it with everyone that will listen. Put it on a Goodyear blimp if that will help. So build that personal mission statement. Then identify what feeds your ego versus what builds humility. Because there are certain things for all of us that will feed the ego, right? Those places where we've got easy success, those places where we know we're the best or where we're strong or have capabilities. Even going back to Lucy Coelho's balconies or basements, right? Any strength overused can be perceived as a weakness. So think about what feeds your ego versus what builds humility. And then lastly... Engage those around you. And I love that that's last because to me, that may be the most important. It is super duper important that you engage those around you. So I think all three of us at some point said this. That's a lot to unpack. Sarah said it, Steve said it, and I concede to that right now. We talked about a lot. Again, over two episodes, that should be proof enough. That says it all right there. But just remember that humility isn't really about you. If you keep that one simple truth in mind, you will thrive in the transition. Well, folks, that brings us to the end of Thriving in the Transition, the podcast, episode 19. It's a big number. 19 was a good year. If I could go back to being 19 years old, whoo. Anyway, we'll just keep those thoughts to myself. Thanks for joining, and thanks for allowing me the opportunity to be myself. If you're getting something from this podcast, give us a five-star rating wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Subscribe and add us to that list of great podcasts that you listen to. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Logic Consulting, L-O-G-I-Q Consulting. Also follow me on Instagram at Logic Coach, L-O-G-I-Q underscore coach. Also follow me on Spotify at GQ Down. And again, not just the podcast, follow me to discover the music that I use to help me thrive in the transition. Reach out on LinkedIn at DJ Will Rock. Again, all one word. Don't forget to follow that YouTube channel as well, Thriving in the Transition. And yeah, there is a website, www.thrivingintheTransition.com. It's a beautiful thing. Check it out. Take a look and see how else that we can connect, right? You need a speaker. You need some motivation. You need somebody to be funny who's really not a stand-up comic? Guess who is? This guy, right? Let me know. Let's do some stuff. Let's change the world. Lastly, if you're interested in supporting this podcast and helping us grow, send me an email, send me a tweet, an IM, hit me up in the DMs, whatever you're comfortable with. 
you're going to find a sponsorship button on my homepage on Anchor FM, www.anchor.fm forward slash T-I-T-T for thriving in the transition. Again, look for that support button. Let's do some great stuff. More importantly, don't keep this thing a secret. Join me in my vigilante quest and let's take back transitions and the streets. Let's right some wrongs and dish out some justice. Let's look out and protect our communities. And to that end, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your co-workers, and tell your children. It's never too early to have the talk about transitions. Until the next episode, folks, cheers. Have a great day. This episode was dedicated to my aunt, Sandra C. Scott, who was an amazing woman who embodied humility, who made sure I had whatever, fill in the blanks, when it normally wasn't possible, who always had my back, who always supported me. This dear woman passed away just this morning, and this episode is dedicated to her. I love you, Auntie.